Good afternoon. It is the QA. It is the, even though it's December, it technically is the November edition of the QA 2023 from Guns and Tactics. My name is Dave. Thank you guys very much for spending this time uh, with me. It's probably over the lunch hour or maybe just after, just before, depending on what time zone you're hailing in from. But I wanted to thank you. I really do appreciate it. I know um, when you choose to spend your time with me, it is not something I take for granted. So I really do appreciate it. I hope the holiday season is off to a good start for you. And uh, I don't have any comments yet, but hopefully you guys can hear me okay. It looks like the audio levels are good. And uh, we'll start going through our questions here in just a second when we start to get comments. I do have a lot of emails. And before we get started, I do want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, which is Global Ordnance. Global Ordnance is supplying the prize to today's winner, as well as uh, I believe it was Lance or Lyle. It was a name with an L that was the winner last month. And I did get your physical address because uh, I believe you originally sent a PO. So I'm going to get that out to you as well as the November or December, November's winner. I have all the prizes on hand, so I'll be sending those out in a little bit. Uh, additionally, I do want to give a huge shout out to our patron supporters, uh, Kevin, always at the top there at our Action Jackson level. We do have a bunch of emails from him to go over today, as well as our 10 spot level. So again, really appreciate the patron supporters. If you want to support the channel, you can go to Patreon, look for Guns and Tactics. I do want to do more. I've talked about that before, but uh, right now it's kind of a bandwidth thing. But if you want to support the channel and give just even a couple of dollars a month, it really will help. And it goes towards, you know, expenses like hard drives and new cables and microphones and, you know, all that kind of stuff that just generally goes with uh, running a channel. So, uh, yeah, that's that. Uh, happy holidays, like I said. Uh, hopefully everybody is checking in and I got to make sure I put my other devices on do not disturb here so I uh, don't bug you guys too much. And uh, we'll just kind of go from there. So let's get to it. We got emails. We got uh, Dustin reporting loud and clear so we can hear me. Uh, I guess before we get rocking and rolling, let's have a beverage together. I don't know about you guys, but I'm drinking hashtag not sponsored a 1919 root beer canned in Minnesota's own, I believe, New Alm. Yeah, New Alm, Minnesota. So one of my favorite root beers, I drink... Uh, Try to try as many root beers as I can, and I keep going back to 1919 as my favorite. What is your root beer or soft drink of choice? We'll save different beverages for maybe a little bit later, but go ahead and sound off in the comment section below with your favorite soft drink. Mine is a 1919 root beer or a pineapple Fanta, as many people know. So yeah, and Dustin is checking in with the white monster. Yes, you do like those. Dustin and I have gone on road trips together and uh, traveled and done classes and stuff. And uh, usually we do have to, uh, we usually do have to make a, a pit stop for either Sprecher Pounders or some uh, White Monsters. So Sprecher Pounders are are tough to beat. So anyways, let's get to it. This is from D Tom American. Howdy from South Indiana. Thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate you checking in and we'll go right into it. So let's Let's see, how far back do I have to go for the QA questions? And uh, Kevin, you sent a lot again this month. I don't know if I'll be able to get them all or if all of them are, you know, a great uh, a great pick or whatever. So, yeah. And I can't remember if we did the, the QA late last time or not. Uh, I don't know. It, it, but it's the holidays, so it is what it is. All right. Uh, let's see. 
Kevin, what are some good ways to show and give students feedback to use a normal uh, force grip based on fundamentals? So there's a solid foundation for good grip. Um, yeah, the gas pedal stuff, whatever. Now, I personally do like aggressive grips on my guns, whether it's stippling, whether it's grip frames, whatever. I like, you know, the equipment to enhance what I want to do, my technique, right? Uh, but I have a couple different exercises in class that I use. Basically, I demonstrate the grip, talk about what each part of the grip does, not just grip it really good. And then I kind of break it down. And then I also use the handshake demonstration. And I can't remember off the top of my head who I stole that from, but I did steal it from somebody. And I thought it was a really good way to demonstrate proper grip, uh, tension, strength, all that kind of stuff. So uh, anyways, that's a good one. Uh, what are some ways to get around the not invented here attitudes and government training? Uh, and by the way, the theme of your emails this month is a lot of government training, government training, government training. And man, again, I don't, I don't, thankfully I don't share all these experiences that you had. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do to get into this, right? We'll see what we can do, uh, to get into as many as we can. Uh, but yeah, some instructors, not just government, I've seen this in the private sector. I've seen it in the gun range level, you know, for their in-house classes. I've seen it, uh, a variety of places, but probably most prevalent. Yeah. Could easily be the, uh, the LE or the government side, uh, is that if it didn't come from within or come from here, it's not relevant or it doesn't apply or anything like that. And sadly, that's just an attitude that leadership is ultimately going to have to hopefully try to step in and realize that, look, just because something didn't come from here doesn't mean it's not valid or it doesn't have value. There should be training criteria. Uh, a company that I used to work for 88 tactical, uh, they had uh, some great training criteria that they would use. They had a four system approach to evaluating training. They had a, or tactics, excuse me, in training and the, their be, uh, you know, their core of it was behavior based. And I really, really did take that to heart because if you're not seeing something happening in natural human behavior, why are we training for it? So for example, we train, train, train method A, but then when the crap hits the fan, everybody does method B. Well, why don't we just train them how to do what they're naturally going to respond with B better uh, now, in some cases, we would all we can all agree that A might be the best, B sucks, so we have to really train B out of them. But some cases, it just doesn't work. But we can get into that. That's maybe a whole other podcast idea. And I've thought about trying to do a more training focused podcast, but it, uh, you know, I, I I just don't know if I have the bandwidth to do it right now. And but maybe get some more guests and and stuff like that. I think I think that would be really cool. So that's uh, something there. Uh, Jeff, uh, sent a question in, oh, this is late November. So I will get to that here as well. I just want to make sure we, I scroll back and cover all of November and I apologize. This is late guys. It is what it is, right? I mean, I don't always get to get to these on time. If I could pick any barrel in the world, Sean, did you ask this last time? I think we did get that in last time. So, all right. Um, back in the nineties and two thousands, there was a lot of, uh, chicken games. I, I've never experienced that, man. I don't know. I, I don't know where you've experienced that or where you see that, but, um, yeah. And then as far as like, you know, using unloaded guns, yes, we, we got to use red guns and all that kind of stuff. So totally, totally agree with all of those points. Uh, let's see here. And, and again, some of the questions, I don't know if I'll be able to get to all of them, Kevin. So we'll just try to do our best. Another email question is from Fred. I've been doing research on compact handguns and want to equip with a red dot. I got it pretty well down to the Kimber R7. Um, I already have one of their custom optic of choice is a crimson trace. I've only shot it, you know, so uh, I will be honest. I'm, I think 
I don't know if I would pick either one of those first, and I'm not trying to trash on anything. So if you've already bought something, no hard feelings or whatever. Uh, but if you're looking for like a single action gun for an EDC type gun, I don't know what your budget is, all that other stuff, Fred. But right now my EDC is a Staccato CS with a EPS on it, uh, as well as a Streamlight. And I'm carrying it in a QVO uh wingman i believe it is and roger is gonna harp on me if i got the name wrong but i apologize if i do but i believe it's called the wingman and uh it literally just a happy coincidence that i'm wearing uh the qvo shirt that uh i got with my order but i really am liking that holster it's it's a a uh, a placard style holster or a sidecar style holster i guess you could call it um where it has the you know the handgun as well as a magazine holder but it does a really good job and i've kind of found the spot where it's you know, more comfortable, but I'm still kind of playing around with that a little bit too. I kind of go back and forth if I like the connected ones or the separate, you know, ones and people will argue back and forth all the time between, between which is better and all that stuff. All right. So let's go back to our comments and let's see here what we can do. Uh, yes, we got Sprecker Pounders, A&W Cream Soda. A&W Cream Soda, that was my soft drink challenge. Excellent. Uh, 1919 keg. Uh, you know, I, I would definitely do a 1919 keg. And actually, Rainier, we are making something coming up um, that might actually work for my little 1919 keg thing. So we'll see. Maybe the December QA, we'll see what we can come up with for a 1919. And Lance or Dustin, if you guys want to come over and have a live studio audience and have a beverage while we do the QA, that's totally fine by me. Always welcome. Always welcome to have a live studio audience in here. So, And yes, I, uh, oh crap, I hit the wrong button. Switching screens. There we go. And yes, Lance, I do have the tools and skills. I appreciate your vote of confidence. And I've modified a cooler or two back in the day. I added a drain plug to one of my Pelican coolers, but. I haven't done it to the Yetis yet, but I probably will add a drain plug on one of their smaller ones. All right. DTOM American is XM193 okay for home defense and or buildings where innocence will be. Well, I think we would all agree that it's not optimal if you had your choice in ammo. Is it effective? Absolutely. XM193 is an incredibly effective round if you look at soft tissue testing, all that other stuff. However, uh, are there potential issues for overpenetration? Yeah. I mean... XM193 is a hot round, right? So is it optimal? No. Uh, is it okay? Well, if it's all you have, sure. But part of it's going to depend on what type of rifle you're going to be using. Is it a shorter barrel? Is it a um, longer barrel? And do you not have access to a soft point or a modern bonded type ammo that is more ideal for that? So th those are kind of things that go into it. So it really just kind of depends on if it's a feasibility issue, if it's an availability issue, if it's just a budget, you know, all that kind of stuff goes into it. So if it's what you got, it's what you got. And it's up to us. Anytime you're using a firearm to follow the safety rules, which is also knowing your target and beyond. And there have been cases where a variety of people have been uh, held accountable with criminal and civil consequences for the beyond part or not being accountable for all their hits. And sadly, uh, that's something in the LE world, you know, that round accountability that uh, always needs to be improved on. So uh, yes, if there's going to be innocence, then it's even more important of shot placement and knowing what is beyond your target as well. This one's from Jason. Welcome, Jason. I believe uh, you're a newer viewer. I don't recognize the name. Purchased my first M&P 2.0 compact. Always been a Glock guy, but I do like how the M&P shoots. Do you think there's an equal reliability between the two for CC? 
Uh, honestly, man, um, for closed captioning, I don't know if it really meant. No, I'm kidding. I know you mean concealed carry, but uh, I, I they're both very reliable. I mean, MNP 2.0s are becoming a proven platform. Uh, have they been around quite as long as the as the good old G series? No, nope, but there's a good good platform. If you like it, if you like the ergonomics, if you like what works for you, then rock on, man. Don't worry about what the internet thinks. Uh, you'll be good enough, good enough to go. So good enough to go. All right. Uh, follow up is a buddy and I have a combined 30 K round through a couple of, I mean, yeah, so there we go. So there are, I agree for sure. Reliable pistols. There's a lot of people running them, a lot of agencies, all that stuff. So I wouldn't have any concerns about a good quality handgun from any manufacturer, uh, or any reputable manufacturer is what I should say. All right. We're caught up on comments. Where are we at now? All right, this one is, uh, we took care of Fred. Uh, Kevin was asking about type three malfunctions. The shortcuts to remove the magazine, insert the magazine in rack. Uh, the instructor sets this method up with a partially filled, inserts an empty case. Yes, and sometimes that's how I demo it as well. And on a full-size duty gun, um, it, you shouldn't have an issue. Now, you did go on to say detective guns like shields, Rugers, things like that. Um, you know, aren't going to be as optimal for that. And you're absolutely right. So that's why whenever I teach type three malfunctions, which is basically a fail to extract, some people call it a double feed. But if we look at what most commonly it really is, it's a fail to extract. You have to figure out the solution that works well for your platform. So for example, uh, Glock was teaching for a while, just a pull on the t uh, magazine reinsert rack. But on some other handguns, a round would actually strip off of the magazine when you did that. So you'd have to pull it all the way out to get that, and then you'd have to go from there. But really what it comes down to for stoppages is one of two methods. Immediate action, so it went click when it was supposed to go bang. So we need to make sure the mag is seated, make sure it's charged. So tap rack. And some people are even arguing is the tap even necessary, which that's a whole other topic. And then the other one is unload the gun, reload the gun, which is basically what we have to do. If something bad is in there, we have to unload the gun, get everything out, and then reload the gun. So variety of ways that we could do that right so that's really what it comes down to uh i can't remember if i i don't know where i'm at i don't think i've done a video on stoppages but i know it's on the to-do list we talked about manipulations and and all that kind of stuff so um and then uh, you sent some pictures unfortunately i am not able to show pictures you know of firearms on here because uh you know, community standards and things like that. I, I don't even want to go there. So uh, double clutching an AR. I have no idea what that means, Kevin. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you'll have to send me some context, an article, a video. I've never heard the term double clutching when it comes to firearms. So uh, the only thing I know of is my Honda has a dual clutch transmission. Is that what I, I don't know what you're I don't know what double clutching is. So you got me on that one, man. All right. In one of your videos, you talked about the 226. Says, man, good memory. That's that's crazy good. Uh, has, has Nobody's ever complained about Sig Knuckle. What do you think about Glock Knuckle? Um, I'm not going to disagree that the Glock is not necessarily the most ergonomically friendly platform. So I personally really enjoy when I'm able to enhance a Glock, including with a, a little bit of trigger guard enhancement, because, you know, I don't use the M word. And then as far as a more aggressive texture so i don't think it hurts um but it kind of depends on your grip your style but i don't know I, I suppose you could get sig knuckle just the same or whatever but i think our training and everything else has evolved a lot uh since then so uh one more from kevin then we'll go back to comments here 
Uh, what are some productive ways to help communicate the huge differences between the vocational uses of firearms that show that citizen is not the same as police, military, vice versa? Uh, government instructors are delusional when teaching citizen first responders and tactics. And what else did we, where's number three? I don't see number three here. Uh, oh, three. What are your thoughts about SRT guys being put into situations and training where the SRT guys see the situation from the perspective of the citizen? Yeah, I agree. Uh, or a bad guy. And then uh, ergonomic for topic, economic topic of game theory come into play when uh, you see this in, I'll have to do some homework on game theory because again, I'm not familiar with that term. So a couple other things on this though. Uh, yes, there are differences and most of the good quality instructors that are out there realize that there are differences in context. And even uh, me when Ellie, when I was talking about off-duty stuff, there's different tactics and protocols for an officer responding to something off-duty versus on-duty as far as resources, identification, all that kind of thing. And then as far as the bad guy perspective, absolutely. If you ever anyone is evaluating a technique or a tactic, you need to look at it from the other perspective because arguably that is the most important perspective. Not what looks cool on the Instagram, but what does the other guy see, right? How effective really is it? All right. Uh, one more from Kevin since I, I have it all kind of streamlined here. Uh, this one is, what do you recommend as a handgun sight pusher uh, for the better than kitchen table gunsmiths? Uh, I like the MGW Maryland Gunworks, as I believe what it stands for, but it's the MGW Sight Pusher Pro. They do have a sub model that uses all the same inserts. That's not the Pro, but it's uh, still really beefy. The downside with the Pro is it's, I want to say it's like four or $500. So it's definitely an investment for a quality tool, but that thing is paid for itself with shop work and, and sight work. Uh, by far, that's the best sight tool out there. And you have to buy the different inserts to hold the different slides. Uh, I have the different bladed pushers for either bladed uh, angled sights or straight wall straight sights and that thing is the best it's my by far my favorite tool uh what do you recommend for a torque limiting driver for glock front sights uh you can get a small inch pound driver i just personally use a precision nut driver i am comfortable enough that i understand it by feel but if not then you can get a torque limiter from either borka Fix it sticks, Wura, we uh, you know, there's a lot of good options out there. What do you recommend for 15 to 30 M lock screws? Uh, and then uh, for that, I use the the Borka adjustable torque driver most of the time. This is my favorite adjustable torque driver. Uh, it goes from 10 to 30 on one side, and then 30 to 70 inch pounds on the other side. So there's two ranges. Uh, but these Borka adjustable torque drivers are by far my favorite. They're very accurate. There's no spring clutch type mechanism to wear out like some of the other big yellow ones that I don't like as much that aren't as accurate. Uh, otherwise, a good quality German precision nut uh, driver torque handle, something like that is good. The fix it sticks ones aren't bad. I have had a couple go bad where all of a sudden I was like, this feels way too tight. And sure enough, a clutch was seized up and it was no longer clutching. So uh, keep in mind, you kind of get what you pay for. Uh, should screws of unknown history be reused or replaced? I generally don't reuse screws a ton. Number one, I'm too lazy and I don't want to clean off the old thread locker. Number two, I don't know if they did get stretched or over torqued or whatever. So I just usually buy my screws in bulk and then uh, I replace them as needed. So um, yeah, and I use good quality screws. I get them from McMaster. So uh, what are some helpful guides for the non-engineer to determine good guesses for torque? I think I did a quick tip on, maybe it was even on the old channel, about how a uh, L handle can be used uh, by the flex to feel for torque. If not, I can maybe revisit some of those things as well. 
Uh, what do you recommend to stabilize the Glock front sights? Uh, commonly out of spec. Uh, I kind of hold them in place as I torque them. I was thinking about machining some sort of like a little jig or fixture to kind of hold it. I never got around to maybe make it out of like Delrin or something, but I never got around to it. And honestly, uh, even if they're a little bit like on aftermarket slides or, you know, aftermarket sites that quite fit, uh, I just generally don't have that many issues where I can't, you know, get it perfectly good enough square and tighten it up. So, uh, are there any tips for non cops to have warranty claims? Um, and again, I'm not familiar with all the triarch drama. I know there is some drama in the industry, but I'm not familiar on, on what their warranty process and all that stuff is, uh, what can be done to help government armors use the right tool for the gas tube roll pin instead of the wrong one they get from the local hardware store, better training, better training, right? So, um, yeah, better training and then get your tools from, you know, roll pin punches, I like Starrett um, or Brownells. I can't remember what line they carry. I think it's their own house brand, actually, now that I think about for the roll pin. But I have all of them. Otherwise, Geisley makes some uh, gas block pin tools. They make a starter as well as a holder, um, you know, so or a starter, holder punch, and then as well as a regular punch, too. So I'm a big fan of uh, those type of tools. That's generally what I use. All right. Uh, let's go back to our comment section. Uh, it's going to be through a 16-inch AR. Well, yeah, I mean, XM is going to be incredibly effective through that. It's just, again, um, you have to be aware of that over-penetration. And then what round would specifically recommend for mitigating over-penetration uh, while not being ideal? So look at a good quality LE duty round slash self-defense. Uh, the go-to standard in a lot of LE is going to be the 62-grain TAC bonded, which I believe they also sell under the Bear Claw brand. That's a very good barrier um, I don't want to say barrier blind, but barrier effective round. That's really useful. Uh, and again, you still could have some over penetration, but because it's a, uh, a bonded round, it is a little bit more reliable to going through soft tissue and stuff like that. Uh, and it holds up well through barriers and stuff too, that you might maybe encounter, but a lot of agencies use that 62 grain Hornaday tap series, um, makes some great stuff. My go-to favorite right now is the gold dot, uh, either, uh, 64 grain or shoot, what is it? 70, 70 something. I can't, 75 grain gold dot is what I generally run as my kind of duty load, even though I don't duty anymore, um, unless it's after a, a buffet or something. But uh, right now, the gold dot 75 grain um, is generally what I run because it does have reliable expansion in shorter barrels. And then uh, it does good, go good up to about 16 inch. After that, uh, where it can, you can have higher velocities, you can have some issues. So out of an 18 or 20, you might want to look at a different round because that 75 grain gold dot was designed also to be effective as an SBR round. So it would have reliable expansion in lower velocities. So yeah, uh, yes, and Dustin, 75 is is correct. All right, Jason, I need to get a torque wrench to install my SCS. Uh, is there one that you recommend that's not too pricey? If it's not too pricey, then I would look at the fix it stick style. I have this particular one in a slocky handle. Slocky is the OEM. So if you can find these handles, it's a fixed clutch. This one's 12.4 inch pounds. And I use this a lot on red dot screws and it's all in one. Otherwise, if you get the fix it stick version, it's the same little mechanism, except for it's rebranded as fix it stick and they have different configurations and packages or whatever. But the OEM for fix it stick for these little torque things is slocky. Uh, so you can get that or you can get the little fix it stick one uh, right there. So like try to get a close up here if I can. Nope, not gonna work here apparently. There we go. Uh, a little bit of a close up. 
it's going to focus on me. Sorry. But anyways, this is it. It's a little, you know, fix it stick and it comes in a variety of, um, you know, different torque values. Yeah. There you go. I'm kind of having a, kind of having an interesting time today. All right. What would be my preferred carry the C2 or the CS? Well, right now I'm carrying my CS more. I have all of the staccatos. I'm very fortunate. Um, I have a CS. I have, I have all of them, you know, so life is pretty good. Right. And I carry the CS more often. So that's what I do. I like the CS. There's some really cool tech going on. They improve the extractor, the magazine tube, uh, the C2 is no slouch. It's a great, great firearm, but I get all of the benefit in the CS in a slightly smaller package. Now, Dustin and I were talking and I was like, man, the CS is so much smaller than the C2. And then we looked at the specs and I kind of had to eat some crow because the specs don't show that much of a difference. But like my perception is that the CS is a little bit, you know, smaller in the right places. So I prefer it. So if you have a C2, rock on. In fact, I think the C2 might have a little bit better of a recoil impulse because it's a hair bigger in a few spots, but I'm carrying the CS pretty much everywhere. Um, as my EDC right now with a light, uh, and I no issues whatsoever. So, but if you have one versus the other, but if I was buying right now, I'd buy a CS, I guess that's maybe that's a better way to answer your question. So, all right. Um, the comments window disappeared yet again. What is up with this thing? All right. Lance knows of a local department that will have openings if I need some duty. Well, you know what? Part-time, I'm not opposed. If you can get me some part-time work. Although, the old uh, scam that I had going, I pretty much did work part-time. I mean, I had so much PTO, it seemed like, that uh, they always accused me of working part-time, you know? Because it's like I always was taking time off. So maybe if I can rebuild that up, uh, I, I would be able to, right? So I don't know, Lance. You, uh, you let me know. You let me know. All right, this is from Backless Gloves. Uh, if you're interested in advertising or sponsoring the QA, well, you can send us an email to the QA at gunsandtactics.com, which, by the way, is where you can send all your questions in case you can't make the show live. But uh, Alcus Gloves, I appreciate you reaching out. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I don't know what your tactical gloves look like, but the one in the little picture there with the biker glove things, uh, I'm not sure if those would really cater to our audience well, but, you know, we'll see. So anyways, will there be a PS, like a PlayStation? This is a, a firearms podcast, Dustin. I'm not sure about PlayStations. That's all I can say. He's asking if there's going to be an evalue evolution of the Staccato CS. I, I don't know. I don't want the transcript to show certain things, but I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's in there. So, oh yes, I do know what you're asking. And I'm just kidding. There's actually nothing in there. I just wanted to kind of play it up a little bit and make people think that I'm cooler than I really am. So that's the joys. So cheers to you. All right. Comments were caught up. I'm going to go back to some emails. Let's see what I got. Uh, I don't know about you guys. If anybody else has experience with uh, 
social media stuff, but I'm getting a tons of sponsorship opportunities from these huge companies like Fiji Water and all this crap. And it turns out it's all spam. I got really excited thinking I was so cool getting some new sponsors and then it's all spam. It's all spam. Uh, let's see. When it comes to officers flaunting, violating this rule, dude, cops get fired for that. I've seen cops get fired. So I, again, I don't have your experiences, Kevin, um, for cops, you know, doing this. And as like far as recording training, uh, we would record training scenarios to, to help document what the training scenarios were. So again, I don't have the experiences you do. I don't know what life is like in Illinois, um, but it might be time to associate yourself with some new agencies if you can. So that's what I would always recommend. All right. This one's from uh, Ted. I got a bull SAS, which is a great little gun. How can you stipple the grip on that? Uh, if the bull has a polymer grip, you can send it to somebody like uh, McMullen's uh, stipple works. Brandon, he's a good dude. He could kind of reduce that polymer. Uh, is the SAS an aluminum grip though? I'd have to double check that. But if not, if it's polymer, you can definitely send it to somebody and have them uh, have them stipple it. No problem. So all right. Uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, there's some questions about like storage in a bear cat. And, you know, again, the stuff that I've seen, it generally has stuff tidied away. Um, all right. Let's see here. The. Yeah. And, you know, just treating people with respect. Absolutely. Like I treat people in my classes how I'd want to be treated. So I, again, I don't know what other experiences you've had. Um, what are some good way to explain the differences between a compensator and a muzzle brake to a non-technical audience? Well, that's a good question because I even think in the firearms industry, there's some confusion. Uh, obviously, a muzzle brake uh, has a brake component that usually is exponing gases, uh, whereas a compensator is just kind of redirecting. It's probably the way I think of it the most, but I've seen some comps that are brake-like. I've seen some brakes that aren't. Uh, so I think generally in the industry, anything that is meant to reduce recoil is either going to be marketed as a muzzle brake or a comp, but right now the comp is kind of the cooler term. So I think a lot more things are getting marketed that way. And otherwise there's flash hiders. So, uh, maybe you tell me, you tell me a good engineering perspective, and then we can try to dumb it down. Uh, and then as far as like calculus three or vector calculus is the language for both internal and external ballistics. I don't know calculus. So you got me there and you're going to be the expert. So if you could help me out, um, maybe how you explain it as an engineer. I always like to learn from people who are knowledgeable and uh, have that background. I mean, I bug uh, Dustin for all sorts of stuff. We talk about stuff all the time um, and he's uh, engineering smart. So I, you know, I look to you guys for, for expertise. Uh, and then there was some stuff about like police wives. And I don't know if I want to get into that. Um, again, I don't know the experiences there. Uh, yeah. So let me make sure we got other questions covered here. Uh, for the C2, this one is from Jeff and he has a staccato C2 looking at a hollow sun EPS comp green. So I'm assuming you're just referring to the EPS because the comp is the 507, which is a huge window. You're probably not going to want that on a C2, but on my staccato C2, I currently have a hollow sun SCS 320. 
uh, which is a great enclosed optic, no batteries, no fuss, no buttons. It just works awesome for that. Or an EPS would be a great gun for that or optic for that as well. So I would definitely look at that. And then he sent a picture of his daughter who was also in law enforcement doing way cooler stuff than I ever did because it looks like she's in a helicopter, which is pretty badass. So sounds like your daughter is a badass, which is pretty awesome, Jeff. And uh, I sent you a picture kind of of my setup so you have an understanding of what's kind of going on. All right, this one is from Dino. Uh, what is the correct use cases for bullet weight versus barrel length? Is it? It's easy to understand that the terminal effects of a heavier bullet could be deeper penetration, but what about before it leaves the barrel? Does the heavier projectile pressure to build in shorter barrels? The opposite. Um, okay, I do know a couple of gun nerds that could probably talk way better about ballistics and pressure and all that than I ever could. And we did have Johan Bowden on, I can't remember if it was this channel or the old channel, but we did kind of a two-part podcast series with Johan. I'm pretty sure it was on this channel. And I think we even turned it into a podcast uh, where we talked a little bit about rifle ballistics and things like that. But maybe it'd be a good one. He'd be another good industry person to have on again. Like we had Josh from Holosun. Maybe we have Johan from... Uh, federal ATK. Uh, I don't know if they're ATK anymore. Vista, uh, you know, federal gold dot, all that kind of stuff. He'd be a really good one to have on the show. And he can kind of talk about some of that because even though, uh, people traditionally associate heavier grain, like 77 grain, 69 grain with longer, uh, barrels, better for accuracy, match loads, the gold dot 75 grain is a, a perfect, uh, example that that was actually designed to be effective in short barrel rifles, like 11 and a half, 10 and a half, things like that. Uh, so it would expand reliably at that lower velocity. So it doesn't necessarily be, mean it's an absolute, but you have to look at that ammunition that will match your intended purpose, right? Uh, I was talking to uh, Sean earlier on the phone and we were talking about uh, competition ammo and how I would personally like kind of stage my stuff between hoser ammo and more precision ammo. So stuff like that, um, is maybe definitely a topic and I don't I don't I still don't know how much interest there would be but it's certainly something we could definitely talk about. All right. Uh don't care about Amazon hosting, spam, all that other stuff. Let's go back to the comments. All right. This is from Lance. With all the new pistol red dot offerings, what would you suggest for a Glock 20 primarily used in a hunting setup as a backup dangerous animal defense gun yes uh absolutely great question and i know a guy who probably wants to get one of these glock 20 10 millimeters i would look at man you you got some really still good options as far as rugged bomb proof the rmr is still no slouch even though uh the new rmr hd is arguably a nice evolution at a higher cost uh but the holosun what's nice about those holosun like in your case um man i I would maybe even look at one of the uh, one of the SCS because that way you don't have to worry about um, batteries or things like that. But I don't know if that's really rated for the ten. Uh, but like a Holosun five hundred nine, which is the enclosed, so that way if you're out hunting in inclement weather, anything like that, that would hold. You know, you know, all you have to do is wipe it off. I would love to say an Aimpoint Acro because generally Aimpoints are known for that bomb proof reliability. But man, I'm seeing some issues with the Acros that I'm just not thrilled with. Uh, and that's with the P2. Like I sold my P1 because it had such crappy battery life. I just was not happy with it. I do have a P2 and I haven't played with it a ton just because I, I don't know. I just think there's better options out there that I, or there's options out there that I like better. Um, and in far, as far as enclosed go, uh, right now that 509 is 
pretty awesome. The EPS line is pretty awesome. They have the battery backup, uh, solar backup option as well. So that EPS might not be a bad bad one to look at at all. And I do think uh, some of the SES line will evolve as well. So SHOT Show 24 should be pretty interesting for us as far as new stuff, right? So let's always check out SHOT Show 24 before we make our purchasing decision. I'll do some digging and see what we can find out. Uh, and yes, Johan is the man. I'd love to see him on the show again. So would I. He's just a good dude. I like Johan a lot. All right. What else is going on, guys? Who else is, has comments, questions, comments, cares, concerns, queries, conundrums? We have one heart on uh, the Guns and Tactics Facebook page, so I appreciate that. And then we have, uh, it looks like people are, it's kind of weird how the YouTube algorithm kind of goes up, down, people start watching, stop watching, definitely all that. But not a ton of other comments, questions. So uh, this one is from DTOM. My P2 only has a little over two uh, 2K and it's trucking along. Yeah, that's nothing for that thing, man. Nothing at all for a uh, P2. But I'm glad it's going well for you because I unfortunately we're seeing other issues uh, mainly with weather fogging is what I've seen where it starts to uh, has condensation and fogging on the inside. So which is kind of a bummer. And then I saw another one that had uh, a part loose from the inside and it was rattling around. So the inside pane of glass got all scratched and gouged up because there was a little chunk of metal. I, I can't remember if it was a screw or some sort of little piece that was going back and forth on the uh, recoil cycle and it was getting its butt kick so and aim point's gonna take care of you and make it right but it always sucks when you have to use the warranty you know it's kind of like tommy boy said you know i can uh <laughs> now i'm gonna mess it up just like good old tommy boy did but uh, i can take a crap in a box and slap a warranty on there for you but um you know i'd rather look up the butchers wait no that's not i now i'm trying to remember the misquoting of it but uh anyways I love warranties. I like companies that take good care of people, have good customer service, but my preference is to never use the warranty at all. That's that's my goal, right? So anyways, that's that's my thoughts and I'm sticking to it. So my Christmas tree, I guys, I got a Christmas tree for you guys too right back there too. And I even have little lights on there, but they're kind of hard to see with the overhead patch wall light on. So I might, I don't know, I might play around with lighting a little bit. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I, I love this studio setup as much as the old one. Uh, the old one was over there and I had the full size patch wall, which is up there right now above the mill, but I needed, uh, I, I needed kind of a rearrangement in the shop area for, I don't want to say quality of life, but for lack of better term, uh, it was just a pain logistically, um, having the shop where it was and then being able to like, you know, park the side by side and all that other stuff in here too. So is what it is. All right, Dave S. made him do push-ups. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Dave Spaulding. Yeah, Dave Spaulding's a good dude. I uh, I was kind of hoping, you know, like people say like, oh, who do you want to train with? Who do you want to uh, go to a class with? And he would be at the top of my list, and he is having a class in Ohio, uh, Dave Spaulding. But unfortunately, logistics, I don't know if it's going to work out between airfare, hotel, um, you know, all that stuff. It, it, it kind of makes it tougher to travel for some of that. So I usually try to find classes in a driving distance. I know Dustin and I, I uh, went to AJ Zito. Was that last month, October already? Or was it September uh, that we went to the AJ class? Man, time sure's flying. I, well, it's already December, but that we went to an AJ Zito 1911 class. And I got to give, uh, again, AJ props. I can't remember if I talked about it last month or not, but a really, really enjoyable training experience. AJ is just a genuine guy uh, who obviously cares about his students, cares about their success, very similar to Scott Jedlinski, and those two do work a lot together. 
But AJ, uh, he ran a great class, and we had some good people in that class. We had some really good shooters. El Treviso, if you're watching, uh, he was a great shooter, and uh, some good dudes. We had Hunter, and then we also had uh, Sean from Staccato, um, the lead gunsmith, or, you know, the charge of gunsmith, the main gunsmith there. I don't know if it's head gunsmith, chief gunsmith, master. I don't know what their title is, but got to give huge props because it was a really, really good class. All right. Jason, do you think it'd be better to carry an extra magazine or a tourniquet in an appendix setup? Man, great question. And if we look at really what's possible versus probable, you are more likely to need that tourniquet than you are an extra magazine, right? Let's be realistic. How many times has anyone been watching the show or even not um, been in a situation where they've had to use deadly force? Very, very small percentage of people, right? However, how many times do you come across a car crash, a workplace injury, an injury, whatever, far more likely to happen? And honestly, guys, if we really looked at the numbers, like if we were like everybody carries, like, why do you care? I, I feel safe. I got to protect myself. I got to keep myself safe. Don't disagree with any of that. And believe me, I would rather be in a situation where I have a gun, not need it than need it and not have it. Totally get all that, right? But if we were really playing the statistics, and one of my uh, friends who is a doctor, he was a trauma surgeon, uh, and then he um, is a, a surgeon by occupation, uh, and he knows me well. He's operated on me. Uh, so Howard, if you're ever watching this, but he said, he's like, look, uh, he told me, I can't remember if it was one of the classes or something, but uh, he basically said, if if we were really paying attention to statistics and we wanted to do something that would be far more likely to keep us safe or protect us, we would all wear helmets every day than carry a gun. And he's not wrong. I mean, you are more likely to either die or become seriously injured from a car crash or a trauma or accident or something like that, that a helmet could protect you for, uh, from uh, far more than using your firearm. However, society doesn't like people that wear helmets they're not kind there are some people that legitimately need to wear helmets and we as society are really cruel to those people and that really makes me sad so maybe we need to make helmets the norm right i don't know i don't know all right dustin busted your cherry on the 2011 that's right great class great trainer but even better company dustin hashmark great company does anybody in Minnesota remember the show called Good Company? I think that was like an afternoon talk show. Good Company? Anybody? No? My grandma used to watch it, so I just used to remember it as a kid. All right. Sent you a pic to info of the platypus jersey you had made. Really? Let me check this out here. Let me switch screens. All right. Let me look here. And I got to say, again, uh, Dustin can attest to this. I shot one of the very best very best 25 yard groups i've ever shot in my life with that platypus like crazy good shooting gun uh, i will i will need to make a video on that platypus sooner than later and i was talking to tim the owner of stealth arms and i i'm not gonna say a whole lot but i'm just gonna say i really have mad respect for what he's doing with the platypus and you know goals that he has uh as far as goals that he has that's all i can say cool dude a lot of cool stuff that they make really good pistols always trying to make things better and uh i got mad respect for that gun i didn't want to like it as much as i do and i don't know uh, i don't i don't know um 
if I can really quantify it better than that. And I'm not, I told him, I said, look, it's not like I went into this not wanting to like the gun, but my expectations weren't very high, especially because of the price point. But that platypus, man. And it's cool that it takes cheap Glock magazines. Although if you watch my video uh, and I say mags, everybody makes fun of me about mags and migs and all this other stuff. So it is what it is. Yeah, the jersey looks cool, man. I like the platypus. Perry Perry themed platypus on there. That looks pretty cool. I'm not going to post a picture because I don't want, I don't know if you want your name on there, but uh, I think that looks really cool. So I like it. I like it a lot. All right. That's caught up on emails. Uh, I mean, I'll never get caught up completely. But yeah, and then uh, Dustin shot it. It was a shooter indeed. I wish I could show video. Like, I wish there was a way for YouTube to at least even allow me, you know, running a video of something in a live stream, but no go. Can't even touch it. D does not work. So YouTube, I love you. I swear. But if you could evolve a couple of your rules, that'd be pretty cool. Like, if I could get a permit, maybe I could go through a screening process and get a YouTube permit to handle a firearm during a live stream. A permit to stream. We might be onto something. All right. Just yesterday, I came across a crash where a full-size pickup was missing the door and the driver was hanging out and had to grab the med kit. See? Exactly. So you're far more likely to need that med kit uh, or tourniquet. But, you know, and honestly, one of the things that I use the most that hardly anybody carries that like when I do uh, citizen open enrollment type classes or whatever uh, is a flashlight. I'm still shocked at the amount of people that don't carry a flashlight and as, well, there's one on my phone. That's not a flashlight. That's like a, a little floor seat, you know, floor of your truck illuminator at best. But as far as a flashlight of actually having to positively identify something, you know, positive ID, uh, a flashlight is so important or beyond, uh, beyond positive identification, being able to potentially deter a threat or if we get old and we lose something right like sometimes just having a flashlight is so incredibly helpful uh or just helps you see things better right so i don't get why people don't carry a flashlight more often and you don't even have to carry a cool tactical whiz bang high throw tactical ninja flashlight just an edc light like one of my favorite edc lights and it's not super tactical is the streamlight wedge it's a 500 lumen light with a thousand lumen little mode. Um, it doesn't have a clicky. It has a little side switch. It's not tactical and it's a flood. It doesn't have a lot of throw, but it's cheap. It recharges easy. It's slim line. It works for what I need it to do. Now, is it the best tactical flashlight? No, it's not. And I would love to see some improvements. Like I met with them at I can't remember what show it was. And I just said, look, this is my dream light. If you can make it in this format with the clip and a USB-C charging and a clicky and actually have it, you know, like do this, that, the other thing. And they tried to come out with that with the, I think they call it the Wedge XT, but it's not quite the same. I have a Wedge XT on order to kind of play around with it to see what the beam is like, but uh, I still carry the Wedge a lot. So is what it is. But uh, are there better lights? Absolutely. You know, but that one's a pretty good one. It checks a lot of boxes. All right. We're caught up on comments. We're caught up. Um, I'm not caught up on, on emails, Kevin. I, again, I apologize. I don't think I'm going to be able to get to them all because we are coming up on the hour and I do want to be respectful of everybody's time. So there is, there is always that. All right. I do want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor and our sponsor is global ordinance. However, I got to be honest, I screwed up and apparently I don't have my sponsor logo. So one second here, gentlemen, one second or ladies. I don't know if there's any ladies watching. Are there any ladies watching? I 
I'm going to be honest. I, I don't know what the demographic is for live viewers. I know it's probably not a lot. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's that. But anyways, uh, Global Ordnance is my go-to spot for ammo. They treat me really good. They provide the ammo that allows me to make content. Ammo is probably the biggest expense that I have when I want to do that. And, uh, you know, I'll be up front. I probably shoot more than a lot of other influencers. And I'm not trying to brag or anything like that. But I know when certain influencers get, uh, you know, certain guns, you know, and I know that they don't shoot them that much to do as much, you know, a detailed review as maybe I would like. Um, so I don't know. But anyways, Global makes that happen for me. I kind of feel like I'm distracted and rambling because I'm trying to get this logo to load. So that is what it is. You guys are getting to see this live because that's the joys of doing things live. I know I've said it before in the past how much I really appreciate good live streamers, but it is true. They That's a, a really good gift to have everything organized and, and uh, everything kind of taken care of. So huge shout out to Global Ordnance. There we go. Probably put it right there. I think that looks good. That looks good right there. I like it. Boom. I should make another scene. That's what they call it. So um, anyways, what else you guys got for me? looks like we got a couple other questions. I'm just going to save this scene. We're just going to work through this here, guys. The joys of live. So hang on. We're going to put this right here. We're going to size this right about like so. We're going to give it a, a keyword hotkey. There we go. We gave it number seven. So now I can just quickly do it. I saved it. This works great. Boom. Main cam. B cam. QA. Email. Does not work. But if you wanted to send your questions to the email address shown below, if you can't make the show, it is the QA at gunsandtactics.com. I welcome all of your questions. If you can't make it live, make sure you send that email to the QA in case you can't, then we'll try to get your questions on the show as best as we can. All right, we got a couple more comments trickling in, so we'll wrap these up before the hour. Any tips for a partially stripped seized screw? The Dawson plate on my C2 is stuck and I've got quality bits and wrenches. Any ideas besides heat? No, heat is your friend. I personally do not like the screws that Dawson includes with their plates, particularly those silver M4 screws that attach the plate to the slide. So I know exactly what you're talking about. So here's what I would do. Number one, heat. You're not going to hurt it. Okay. Take everything off. It's a metal plate, a metal slide. There's no polymer sleeve inside that gun or whatever. So you can easily do some localized heat to help loosen that bond. Additionally, you can use some penetrating oil or you can try to get some uncure type compound in there. But with the plate, it's going to be a little tougher for that to kind of work its way. Whereas like a, a croil penetrating oil might give you better results to try to help break that bond. Now, another little tip. So have a good quality bit. I like using bits and I like using the longer um, bits. And I know it's kind of tough to see, but this longer bit um, allows me to make sure it's, it's, you know, in there, but you can use any good quality bit. But what I would actually do is take the bit and take a small hammer, keyword is small, so secure the slide either on a bench or in your vise or whatever, and I'm actually gonna tap the bit into the screw. Number one, that makes sure that the screw, or excuse me, the fastener, oh geez, Louise, makes sure that the bit is firmly seated in the screw. Additionally, tapping that screw might help relieve some of the torque a little bit because as we torque, that screw is kind of pulling, if you will, so that torque edge 
could be relieved a little bit by a little bit of tap, tap, tap. We don't need to go over overboard and we don't want to break stuff, right? But I have a small little gunsmith hammer um, and I, I will just use that to make sure that the bit is firmly seated and try to break that torque a little bit. But you're going to probably need some heat and then it's going to be slow, steady pressure. And if that doesn't work, then worst case, hopefully we don't strip it out. Then we might have to get to the point where we'd have to, you know, drill it out and then try to be able to extract that screw. But on some of those small screws, they are tough to extract and they could be a pain in the butt. So that's the downside with all of all of those. But I would definitely try to use a hammer, tap it in there after some heat, of course, penetrating oil, and you should be able to get it no problem. So, but yeah, that's that's a tough situation. And then after that, I would replace those screws with good quality screws. Uh, Kyle, I don't know which screws you might need, but I buy them in bulk. I buy them in like bags of 100 or 200, something like that. I don't need all of them, okay? I, I send them out. So if you need something, we can work something out. If you could cover shipping, I'd be more than happy to to send out some screws for people. Just cover uh, cover shipping would be great. All right, and then, uh, yeah, uh, Robbie. Oh, hang on. I thought, I don't know where this one, center punch. Do you need a center punch or what? Oh yeah, there we go. Yeah. So he's asking, he's making a suggestion. Yes. Using a center punch. Yep. You could use a center punch as well. Sorry. I was losing train of thought. You can use a center punch. Um, there is what's called a reverse drill bit, which is, uh, basically a left-handed drill bit. So you actually turn your drill the other way. And as it's drilling, it's trying to pull the screw, which is part of an extraction extraction kit is generally a reverse drill bit. And then you, you know, use this extraction bit in there to try to, uh, take the screw out. And what's nice is as the retraction retraction bit extraction bit man i am just having a heck of a time today the extraction bit as it is actually going in counterclockwise it's actually grabbing the screw and hopefully holding it better and creating more friction and tension and then going lefty loosey to take the screw out but on those really small screws it's tough to extract those things um it is just a pain in the butt so that's the downside of small screws is that when you break them and i actually just broke a 440 i can't remember what slide it was on um, and I think my bit was a little weird. Cause that's the other thing guys, like bits, um, they are hard, but they can also be brittle. And every now and again, when you start to see them start to twist a little bit, because you're, you're using them to remove, you know, torqued thread locked screws or whatever. So I think my bit was probably a little stressed. Uh, so I'm taking out these 440 screws. The first one came out and it was a challenge because it was thread locked and torqued and all that stuff. And the next one, all of a sudden I feel it getting really easy and I was like, oh crap. And I couldn't quite stop in time and the, uh, the bit broke. So with that one, I had to drill out. And then thankfully I was able to drill uh, the taper portion of the screw, take off the red dot. And then I was able to tap on the exposed stud, grab it with a vice grip type pliers, and I was able to remove it that way. So sometimes it, it happens and it's uh, it's a pain in the butt, unfortunately. So, and then uh, on this topic, thanks a lot. Appreciate the info. Recently found your channel and like it. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Um, and should I email you? Yeah, you can email me. No problem at all. You can email, uh, you can just email the QA address, the QA at gunsandtactics.com or info at gunsandtactics.com. Either way, they all come to me and you'll get a hold of me and then we can work something out and uh, figure out what screws and stuff you might need. So there's that. All right, let's go back to this camera. And then D Tom, what's a good rifle call for a hundred yards and in? Well, that's a great question. So, uh, as far as like a course of fire, um, I, I have a 50 yard course that I like to do a lot. 
uh, and that's based on my five by five on the handgun, except for it's 50, 40, 30, 20, and 10 yards. It's a ladder drill. You could easily adopt something like that. So the qual course that uh, I used to do when we had access to 100 yards, I would use a piece of steel that's reasonably sized, not like a huge one, but like a, a Bravo Charlie type size piece of steel. And then you could easily have so many hits. And what's nice about shooting steel at 100 is you don't have to walk down, walk back, uh, and if you make it reasonably sized. Now, a lot of times when I would shoot on my own, I would just put up an eight-inch plate because for me, eight-inch plate offhand with a rifle, I know I'm very confident that if I can hit that eight-inch plate, I can likely hit what I'm looking for. Now, if I wanted more of a challenge, I'd use a smaller piece of steel, but you can easily adapt that and then use paper for, you know, on in. But uh, for me, when I would set up qual courses, we would shoot at 100 and then we would ladder up to 50 and then spend our time, you know, going from there. Now, sometimes at closer distances, is where you want to emphasize more on speed, presentation from the ready, efficiency, manipulating the safety, all that kind of stuff. And then um, I also think a good idea is, uh, you know, definitely taking advantage of a little bit of reloading and stoppages type in there just to make sure that people are proficient with handling the gun and make sure they're handling it uh, properly. So uh, are we going to shot this year? Probably not. Budgets are tight, guys. And I think we've talked about this already, but way to put me on the spot. I appreciate that. So uh, I'll, uh, you know, yeah, we'll see what we can do uh, with other stuff for qual drills and videos and maybe five by five is always a good one. I agree. What distance do you prefer to zero your handgun? We talked about this. I actually have a video. I'll put a, if I remember, I'll put a link in the video description, but it's how to zero your handgun. I personally still do the 10 yard zero. Now I will confirm at 25. I'll shoot it out 25. No problem with that. Now, right now, the internet is all full of 7, 10, 15, 12, 25-yard zeros. Right now, the math for me on how it works out is a 10-yard zero is pretty flat shooting all the way out to 50 yards, even out to 100. Now, thus, what I will always preface with anybody who wants to talk about zeroing their pistol, garbage in, garbage out. If you can't shoot very well at 10 yards, you shouldn't zero at 25 because that just means you can't shoot very good at 25. If you're shooting eight inch groups at 25 yards, which one are you zeroing off of, right? You can only get so good based on the data. My personal goal for me with a handgun is to be a 10 MOA shooter, okay? I would love to be a 10 MOA shooter all the time, every time, anytime. That's a pretty tall order. And people are like, the rifle guys are like 10 MOA. Now I'm talking with the pistol, okay? And if I could hit a 10-inch target at 100 yards every time, all the time, anytime, I think arguably you're one heck of a pistol shooter. Now, at 10 yards, that equates to a 1-inch square. At 25 yards, that equates to a 2.5-inch square, which is pretty close to the same size of the 10 ring on a B8, not quite. Um, obviously, there's differences between circles and squares and surface area and all that other stuff. Dustin, what was uh, Dustin? What was the math on that? A circle fills in how much surface area of a square? There was like some something. I can't remember what it was. Um, but anyways, uh, I like 10 yards. It's what works well for me. I can shoot one inch at 10 yards pretty much most all the time. Sometimes I might have bad days or a shank one or whatever, but generally I can do that so I can make my adjustments. Now, AJ's zeroing procedure, and I missed that part of class, um, was he would make gross adjustments and kind of walk it in. So like half turn, half turn, you know, and then kind of go from there. I still am kind of more of a precision zero shooter. Like I actually have a little target that has lines that, are, that equate to 
one line is uh, five clicks or, or what I can't remember. I have to look at the target, but it has little lines on there. So if my group is here, I can adjust if I know I need to go five clicks and 10 clicks, and then I'll confirm. And that target works really well for me if I'm shooting really good, right? But I don't discount the, all right, chase it in, go go big, make big adjustments. And that way you don't have to worry about counting because on some of those optics, it's really tough to listen because you can't feel the clicks and actually try to get the click, you know, every single time. So it, it is kind of tough, but uh, check out my how to zero a pistol red dot video. I'll try to remember to put a link and uh, we can go from there. 78 points. 78.5%. So what I always tell people, uh, like when I did the uh, the little one inch square, if I say, hey, your goal is to hit a one inch target at 10 yards, the reason why I made it a square versus a circle is because uh, I want to give you a what 21.5% advantage if I give you a square target. So, so a circle will fill in 78.5% of a square. So I'm going to remember that 78.5. Hey, look at this. Barcelona. That's pretty awesome. Well, I appreciate you tuning in all the way from what time is it in Spain? Because uh, you guys are are ahead of us, right? So it's about 1 p.m. here in uh, the U.S. in central time. It's got to be late night, right? So I appreciate you tuning in and hit me on your feed. Custom Pro 36. Let me know where you're where you're calling from. So I appreciate it. All right, guys, um, we're at the hour. I think that is going to wrap up. I think we've got everything that we need to get to. I know I didn't get to all of your questions, Kevin. I apologize. I do appreciate it. Again, huge shout out to our sponsor, Global Ordnance. Without their support, I could not do this. And if you use code GTAMO, you're going to get free shipping on all orders over 100, 200, I mean 200, free shipping on all, all orders over 200, which is awesome. So big, heavy case amounts of whatever you want, free shipping over 200. And right now, not a bad time to stock up, okay? Prices are probably going to go up as inflation and potential conflict and materials and everything like that with gas prices. So I don't know. If you always have the opportunity to invest in precious metals, it's never a bad idea to invest in precious metals like lead, copper, and brass, if you know what I'm saying. Global Ordnance, use code GTAMO. Now, speaking of, we're going to go ahead and throw the rules on there while we select a random comment, and I have a sip of delicious Rit beer. We're going to select a random comment for our prize this year. And boom, it's Lance talking about no keg. Lance, oh, where'd it go? It was the no keg comment. Lance is our winner. So Lance, I do have a prize pack for you from Global, and uh, I believe you're local, so it'll save me some shipping as well. So Lance is the winner there. Everybody, I do appreciate it. Again, if you want to support the channel, the best way is through our Patreon network, or you can go ahead and leave a super chat, super thanks, all that kind of stuff. Uh, in the chat, I do really appreciate all of that as well. But Patreon, look for Guns and Tactics is a great way for you to support it. And we'll also have uh, some more stuff kind of going behind the scenes and maybe a dedicated Patreon only chat where we can kind of get into a little bit more of a deep dive and things like that. So all of our Patreon supporters are super appreciated. Again, if you want to see, no, not that one. Jeez, Louise, hit the wrong button. If you want to see your question on the show, the best way is to email us. That is the QA at gunsandtactics.com. We really appreciate everybody tuning in, sending in all your questions, the supporters, the comments, everything else. It's been a good time, guys. This is something I do look forward to. I'm also going to schedule the December one sooner than later, uh, so look out for that, and that'll be towards the uh, end of the month. So with that, thank you guys very much for watching, and you know what I say, have a great day.